that gets me fired up every time I see that. I love that, especially seeing Andy up there a few times. Um, <clears throat> I'm pitch hitting for Andy today. Uh, my wife and I are on staff here. He is um, at his uncle's funeral. Actually, he's going to be presiding over his uncle's funeral, so he had to go quickly. Um, so have him in your thoughts and prayers, and have Amy and the family in your thoughts and prayers um, this week. That'd be great. All right, who likes the Atlanta Braves? Yeah. Do we have a few Braves fans in here? I felt I figured that was that was a safe bet. We at least had a few um, Braves fans here. Braves fans, we are still in first place. Come on, come on, going going strong. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. We still got we still got more season to go, but still in first place. Um, I want to tell a story about uh, a baseball player. His name's Jose. Um, Akindo. Does anybody know him? Raise your hand if you know who he is. A couple people will know who he is. You got to be a baseball fan to know it. He played in the 80s for the Cardinals. He's now a coach for the Cardinals. But something unique about him was that he played over a, a handful of years every single position on the field at, with the Cardinals at a major league baseball level. That is crazy good. Very, very, very few people have done that. So he pitched. He played first, second, third, a whole bunch of outfield, all the outfield, quite a bit. He's a switch hitter and his last position to, to play major league level was catcher, got behind the plate in 88. Um, the reason I say this is he had a, um, a nickname. Does anybody know it? Davis, do you know it? His nickname was The Secret Weapon. Nice. That's what I want. I want that nickname. Jason Hubbard, The Secret Weapon. <laughs> he was called The Secret Weapon because he could do anything. If somebody got hurt, who do you go to? You go to Jose because he can get in there, right? If something's up, who do you go to? Jason Hubbard, The Secret Weapon. Huh? That, um, that's going to be my new, it's going to catch on. I'm going to say it enough. Jason Hubbard, the secret weapon. Okay. Jason Hubbard. All right, I got a couple. I got a couple. I'm going to get it by the end. Jason Hubbard, the secret weapon. Um, the truth is, is that every single one of us who have gifts and talents and abilities that you might not think as a secret weapon necessarily, but is a secret weapon, okay? So think about this. If you go into somebody's house, right, you walk in and you just, right when you step in, you get this smell and you're like, your face get, brightens up. You're like, that's fresh baked cookies <laughs> for, for me, right? You come into somebody's house, they got fresh baked cookies. Anybody ever been there? You, you grab, no? Oh, we're having you over even though our recipe isn't anything special. You eat it, and this is the best chocolate chip cookie you have ever had. Now, how are you feeling? You're feeling pretty good. Now, this person's secret weapon was what? A chocolate chip cookie. But it's a secret weapon. It brightens that person's day up. Right when they walked in the house, it's boom. Ooh, something smells good, right? Somebody else's secret weapon, you, you could be a great athlete. Maybe you're great at encouraging people. Have you ever been around somebody who's great at encouraging people? How do you feel? 
Encouraged, exactly. If you get around somebody who's great at encouraging people, you feel immediately encouraged because they're, they're about you. They're, they're, they're zoned in to bringing out the best in who you are. That is a secret weapon. I mean, somebody who's good at encouraging and bringing out the best in the people around them, I tell you, everybody is going to want to be their friend. You know, you want to be around that person, right? Maybe you're great at photography. Maybe you're an incredible leader, great at organizing and empowering people. And all those things, these, these natural gifts or talents or things you've learned over time can be used by God as a secret weapon to impact and touch people's lives if we have that mindset, right? We might look at it as insignificant. We might look at it as, you know, that's just who I am. I'm just good at encouraging. Or, hey, I'm just really good at making chocolate chip cookies. Hey, you can use that to bless other people, to, to open up their minds, to open up their hearts. You know, if you've had a really good chocolate chip cookie and you're, you're, you're chomping on it, you're thinking, man, this is good. Do you, you're going you're gonna to be a little more open to good conversation because you're happy. I mean, endorphins are being released, right? I mean, it's kind of like after you go for a good run, you come back and you're feeling a little amped if you're a runner. If you're not, you're feeling like crap and you're like lying on the ground. That's, that's me. But if you're a runner, you've got the endorphins going, okay? So the truth is, is that we all have been given gifts and talents. We all have things in our lives, abilities, that we can bless others by, right? We can encourage people, we can make them laugh, we can brighten up their day one way or another. And when we do that over and over and over and over and over and over, you become like me. The boom, yes, I got a few more. That's good, strong, feeling good about that. All right, so we're in a series called Headlines, right? Now, if you're like me, you've got an app on your phone that is news, and it's got all the headlines, right? What do you see when you pull open your app for headlines? You see the major news going on, right? You see Serena, who, who you know, just lost at the U.S. Open. I know some of you are heartbroken and, you know, barely made it to church this morning, but good job. Um, you know, who feels like she's been, um, you know, mistreated. You've got Obama here um, out and about, you know, rallying the troops. You've got, um, you've got uh, a couple Serenas. You've got uh, Trump on here. You've got the weather. Okay, you've got the major news. We, without causing any problems, um, <laughs> the major news comes up, the big headlines, the, the people that you're used to seeing, right? You, you don't get Jason Hubbard. Yeah. On, on, on your, when you pull open your app, you don't get that, okay? But what we're looking at here, we're kind of flipping the script a little in this series. In the scripture, you, you're used to hearing or seeing about David, or about Elijah, or about Paul, you know, or, or somebody, or Peter, who's the, the leader of the early church, or, you know, you're used to seeing those types of people. What we're looking at is the people in Scripture that maybe got a couple shout-outs, 
maybe just a couple times mentioned here and there, but have done extraordinary things. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things, right? That's what we're trying to highlight. Like, you know, for example, you know, you get Paul or Luke or one of the other writers in their, their um, letters, you get them occasionally just saying, hey, you know, remember that guy because of this. Or in one chapter, you, you look at somebody who's new and you're like, oh, who is this person? We usually don't really look into their lives as much and, and really look at what's going on there. And those are the people we're trying to highlight because really, those, those are, that's us, right? We want you to identify with these people in scriptures. Really, when we read the scripture, I hope that's what we're doing. We're putting ourselves into what's happening, right? So this is a pro tip, pro tip in reading the scriptures. Read through, go back, try to figure out what's happening in that kind of time and area, and then go ahead and throw yourself into it. Think, okay, if I was there, what would that be like? What would it have been like to walk with Paul or to show up in, in Corinth and help plant a church or to, you know, go on his mission, one of his missionary journeys with him like Timothy did? What would that be like? Go ahead and throw yourself in there because that brings the scripture alive, right? And because it was written so long ago, sometimes we have a tough time with that. But if the, the scripture seems just, a, just not quite as alive as it should be, throw yourself into it. Think, what would it be like for me to have been there when Jesus healed that blind person? Man, how cool would that have been? What would that have been like? What would have been my reaction? How would that have affected my life? How would I live differently? So we're looking at just some, some ordinary people. We're looking at how they lived extraordinary lives because they knew Jesus, because they, they were using the gifts and talents that God had given them. So if you're a Christ follower and you have a, the Holy Spirit inside of you, which you do if you're a Christ follower, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've said, God, my life is yours. You know, you paid the price for my sin. I believe you are real, that you came, that you lived the life I should have lived, that you took my place, that you did the great exchange. You exchanged my sin for your righteousness, right? That's a no-brainer. Take that. And if you're, you're that, it's the, the Scripture says we are made new by the Holy Spirit. When, he, when it comes inside of us, that he creates us new and lives inside of us and dwells inside of us as his holy temple. Referring back to, in the Old Testament, the, the holy of holies, the holiest place that God now marks us as holy, as his, as children of God. And because of that, we now live extraordinary lives. Not because we're something special, but because God has chosen to make his dwelling place in us. And when we allow him to use us, transform us, and then work through us, just by our everyday normal gifts and talents, extraordinary things can happen. We're going to look at that here in the scripture. Um, we're, going to, we're going to open up, if you do have a Bible or app, or it'll be up there as well. We're going to go into Acts 18, where this couple is introduced, and we're, we're going to look at three different 
moments all through Acts 18 um, with Priscilla and Aquila. Okay? Now, I'm going to give you a little context for this. Acts was written by Luke, who wrote one of the Gospels. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Third Gospel, Luke. Luke wrote the Gospel, basically the life of Jesus, right? And then, straight after that, he wrote Acts, which is the, the early church and Paul's, basically, missionary journey. Does that make sense? So, basically, from when Jesus was, was, was crucified and then resurrected, he came back, he hung out with the, the disciples and many others for about, a, for about 40 days, and then he told them, hey, before you go and do what I've asked you to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, before you go do that, hang out here in Jerusalem, and the Spirit of God is going to come and empower you, fill you, and empower you to be my witness. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. Being empowered by God, the Spirit of God, in our everyday, moment by moment, day by day lives to be a witness by using the gifts and talents God has given us. So he says, hey, wait, that's where Acts picks up, is them waiting in Jerusalem. The Spirit of God falls in the early church's birth in Acts 2, right? And the first eight chapters of Acts, I encourage you to go read Acts, amazing book. The first eight chapters of Acts is basically the early church in Jerusalem being built. Now that first day, when, when the Spirit of God came, 3,000 people were added to the church. Boom. Church, right? Can you imagine the administrative nightmare that these guys had? I cannot. That is crazy. You know, they must have been going, going everywhere. But 3,000 people were added, and then it says day by day by day, more people were added, right? And then about five years later, church is still in Jerusalem. About five years later, chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, who comes and shows up on the scene? Paul. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul, who was persecuting the church. He was a zealot of a Jew. He was persecuting the church. And his life was radically changed by God. And he became the, one of the, or the greatest evangelist in the New Testament. He planted most of the churches throughout Asia, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, and into Rome. And so you've got this guy who was persecuting the church, his life radically changed, and he begins going out. So at that point, the church went from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth, starting with Paul, kind of taking it really from the church in Antioch. Um, and so we're picking up in chapter 18. There's about 28 chapters in Acts. Encourage you to read through it. About 28 chapters, we're picking up in chapter 18. Paul is on his second missionary journey. First missionary journey took off from Athens, went to Cyprus, the island, up into what we now think of middle of Turkey, and which it was Galatia at that time, and then back around. It's a kind of a quick trip, planted a couple churches, no big deal, um, and came back around. And then a couple of years later, he says, hey, guys, my, my buddies, Let's pick up and go again. Let's visit those churches in Galatia, and then let's keep going. So he goes, goes through Galatia and then heads to what we now see as the, you know, towards Italy, still in Turkey, and hits Ephesus and then down to Corinth. 
And so we're picking up at the church of Corinth, where Paul is literally walking in. Can you imagine? Let's put ourselves into this. He's, he's been traveling. He, this is as far west as he has he's gotten, and he's walking in and putting it, he's walking into this new city, knowing nobody to plant a church. He's actually alone right now because he left his traveling buddies. All right? That's where we're picking up. Here we go. Acts 18, 1 through 4. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he met a, a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius, the emperor at the time, had ordered all Jews to leave Rome, Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks to follow Jesus. Okay? You can just read that and walk right by. Right? Just, a, just another scripture. Just keep going. Didn't even notice, you know, this, this guy, um, Aquila, and his wife, Priscilla, barely. But what happened was, he's walking in the city. There's, there's people everywhere. There's a big city trading um, post right right down on, on the water, bridging two major hot areas. And he's walking into the city. There's booths on all, you know, people working streets. And he walks up to this couple because they do what he does. They make tents. That's why some people call it tent making when, you, when you're doing a business and ministry. Um, fun fact. Um, so there's these guys making tents. He approaches them, you know, and says, hey, I make tents. They're like, dude, we need somebody to help make tents. Why don't you come and stay with us, and we can make tents together? These guys weren't Christians. They were, they were Jews who were persecuted and sent out from, from their homeland, and now are in Corinth making tents. How cool is this? So, Paul goes and stays with them, right? At least that's what it says. Now, so Paul's staying with them. He stays in Corinth for about a year and a half. And while he's there, Priscilla and Aquila become Christ followers. They open their home to Paul. They open their home to others. And likely, the, the early church in Corinthians met in their home. Just this couple who are tent makers who opened their home because they were hospitable. They, they thought, hey, you know, you could come stay with us and we could work together. And, and that's what happened. They continued to open their home. A church is birthed in the city just because this couple said, yeah, come and stay with us and we're open to what God is doing here in this city. Incredible. And so we're going to see in a moment how God uses them, not just there, he uses them, he will continue to use them to do more of the same. But here's, here's the, the, the big takeaway here, is that just because they were friendly, they smiled probably, they said, yeah, come and stay with us. A church was birthed in this city. God used them, who didn't even know Jesus at the time, to birth a church. How incredible is that? Who can smile and open their home?
you know, to, to, to a stranger. We can all do that. Or to, to somebody we know in our office or to a neighbor. We, who, who can invite somebody over for coffee, for cookies, for a dinner, you know? Somebody, you know, if you have kids playing sports, get to know somebody on the stands and ask them over for dinner. If you're, if you're at school, maybe, you know, you're, you're at KSU and you don't have a place, invite them to Catherine's house. <laughs> I mean, just invite them over to Catherine's house, right? I mean, it's not that hard, really, for us to, you know, just smile and invite somebody over. What's that called? It's called being hospitable. It's hospitality. And here's the, here's the big takeaway for today. Hospitality is the secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. Can, it, it's crazy. If we will just be hospitable, if we'll just use what God has given us to bless others, that's hospitality. Opening up our home, you know, serving somebody, loving on somebody, smiling, those are all hospitable acts, right? It's a secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. If we want to get through to somebody's heart, if we want to go past the surface level, which that's where, honestly, 99% of our conversations stay. If we want to get past that surface level, we have got to open up a little window, right, in their heart. How do you do that? Show just a little hospi hospitality. Just you know, just a little friendship, just a, a little extra love, a little extra caring, just a little extra. And God will just open up certain people's hearts so that you can speak into it and minister to them, change your life. And you don't know who th those people will be. It could be a Priscilla and Aquila who plant churches. These were just tent makers who opened their home. God changed their life and used them in an extraordinary way. Hospitality is a secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. It's simple. You know, we, we sometimes just make it so hard. Hospitality is simple, but it's powerful. It's simple, but it'll break through those, those walls that people put up. It's simple, but inviting somebody into your home tears down those barriers and causes a moment of potential vulnerability. Where, where God can open up somebody's heart so you can share with them the love of God. Tell them about who Jesus is. Tell them about, you know, what he's done in your life. Simple. You know, there's a lot of reasons why we don't often do this. Sometimes we're, we're fearful. Sometimes, you know, we um, are worried you know, that people won't like our house or us, you know, or, you, you know, you're, you're, you're worried your house isn't clean enough, you know, or isn't all put together just perfect. But nobody really cares about that because most likely their house is not put together perfectly, honestly. You know, just, just give it a try. Open, open up your home and see what God does. Or just go out of your way at work to serve somebody. Bring some Bring some nice cookies. Tell you, it, it helps. People are open for that. All right, we're going to continue on in the story. 
We're going we're gonna to go to Acts 18, 24 through 26. Um, it says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was, he was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the script, scripture, okay? We're introducing a new guy. We could go off on him, but we're not going to today. So he, he comes in. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they did what? They invited him to their home and explained to, to, to him the way of God more accurately. So hadn't yet heard you know, certain parts of the gospel, what it meant to follow Jesus. He hadn't yet heard what happened in, in, in uh, the early church where the Spirit came and, and moved in such a powerful way. But he was an eloquent speaker. He had, you know, he, he, he could reason with those around him. And so Priscilla and Aquila are like, hey, this guy seems great. Why don't we invite him in our home? They did, and they instructed him. And, and he went on for years to come to encourage the churches in Corinth, Corinth and Ephesus. He, he was a, a, one of the, the kind of builders and founders of these churches. Amazing. What we, didn't, what we didn't see here so far is that Priscilla and Aquila were in Corinth, and then they moved with Paul over to Ephesus. And there, they started opening up their home. And we're going to see here in a second, if you'll, you'll jump down to... Um, In, sorry, it's not. It's in First Corinthians. In First Corinthians, where it's mentioned again, it says the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so do, does the church that meets in their house. This church was in Ephesus. So what happened was Paul walks into Corinth, meets some tent makers. They invite him in the home. Okay. Paul goes to their house, shares what's going on. They become Christians, open their home, a church starts. A year and a half later, Paul's back on, you know, still on the second missionary journey, so he's heading out to a new place to start a church. Who goes with him? Priscilla and Aquila. Pick up, pack up, go with them to the church, to Ephesus, to start a church. What happens in Ephesus? We just see in Corinthians is they opened their home, and a church started in their home. And that later, you see in Timothy, is the church that Timothy, Paul's young disciple, ends up going back to and being a part of. In between there, if you continue to look closely, in Romans, um, Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned, that at some point in between Ephesus going from, from there and Timothy coming, they went to Rome and supported and encouraged the believers in Rome while the church was getting started there. What did they do? What special, unique ability did they have? Were they healing people? 
Were, were they, you know, prophesying? Were they, you know, standing up and proclaiming the gospel in the, in the square? We don't know. It doesn't seem like it because they're not mentioned that way. What does it say they did over and over and over again? They opened their home and invited people in. Churches were started. Churches were encouraged. People were blessed. The kingdom of God was advanced. Not because they had these amazing gifts, but because the Spirit led them to open their home, to be hospitable. Have you ever had somebody open their home to you? Raise your hand. Really, raise your hand. Somebody open their home to you one way or another, invite you over for dinner, have you at their house. Yeah. And you feel blessed every single time. No matter what's going on in your life, if you're stressed, if you're, you're having troubles, when somebody invites you to their house and you go and you have a meal, it just feels good, right? Man, yes. For us, we have had people open their homes in extraordinary ways. Um, we've, had, we've been over for dinner many times. Those have been amazing, and they've blessed us, getting to know somebody, going a little deeper. But when we left um, the U.S. to go to Australia to help with the church plant there years ago, we had never been to Australia. We didn't know anybody in Sydney. When we arrive, some people pick us up from the, the airport, and they had already invited us to go to their home. Their names are Roy and Mary Carr. And so they invite us to go to their home. And we've got a little, a new baby. Ava over here was only 18 months old. And, you know, you, you take a child 18 months old on a, a long, long journey. They're not happy. <laughs> I'm just telling you, they're not happy. We had a bunch of boxes. Everything we could carry, we pretty much did. And so we loaded everything into their garage. We took over half their house, and we had a baby crying in the middle of the night. You know, the, here, come on in. So we go in. We disrupt everything. They had us for three weeks before we could get into our house. But I'm telling you, we will never forget them. They, they blessed us in such an extraordinary way just by opening their home. And now... Years, years later, they, he gets a, he's a businessman. He gets a, feels a call into ministry. He came on our, our staff. We left the church to them. So Roy and Mary Carr now are our pastors of the church in Sydney in the north. All they did was open their home, you know? And that's what they signed up for. It's like, yeah, I signed up for that. That's not what's going to happen to most people. But... but if we will open our home and bless those around us, you never know what God will do in those people's lives and in your heart. And it does, and we're using that open your home as kind of a, you know, concept for being hospitable, going out of your way to bless people, going the extra to, to make a difference in somebody's life because it will bear fruit. It will bear fruit. So an extraordinary life isn't just experienced by waiting for the big moments. Extraordinary life is experienced by living faithfully in the small moments, day in and day out. It's experienced by living faithfully in the small moments, 
day in and day out. That's something every one of us can do, right? Every one of us can choose, can resolve, can, you know, put our mind to it to live faithfully day in and day out. Is it easy? No. No. Because there's a bunch of stuff that wants our attention. There's a bunch of stuff that's going to cause us to go off the path. But can we do it with the, the Spirit of God living inside of us? Who, is, who has made us new, who empowers us? Yes, we can resolve to live faithfully like Priscilla and Aquila day in and day out and respond in the moment to what God is doing, looking for opportunities to be hospitable, looking for opportunities to bless people, looking for opportunities to make a difference moment by moment. Those moments lead to life change. Those moments cause you to become somebody new and cause other people to know Jesus and to, to, to open their life, hopefully, up. Think, think about, and this is what I want you to take a moment. Think about one or two people in your life that you could open your home to. Open your home to. Either literally invite over for dinner or serve and be hospitable in an intentional way. Okay? Raise your hand if you got two people. Think about it. This, is, this, is, this wasn't rhetorical. I really want you to think of two people that you can serve or bless. Now think specifically, how are you going to do that? If we will do this, church, people, people's lives will be changed. If you will do this, maybe all it is is they, they feel good about themselves for a moment. That's awesome. You know, maybe that's just the first step. If you moment, if you over and over again, that's just the first step in them inviting you into something really big in their life. Maybe they don't open up all the way first, but they're like, oh, man, that person's different. They, they actually care about me. If we will allow God just to open that little window and then be faithful day in and day out, if we will be hospitable with the things that God has given us. We all have gifts and talents. That chocolate chip cookie could change somebody's life. If we will do that, God will use you in an extraordinary way. And we all want to see the people's lives around us better, right? We all want the people around us to know Jesus and to have an encounter with the love of God, their creator, and to know that he's got a purpose and a calling for them. We all want that. We don't have to overcomplicate it. Let's make it simple. Let's just serve people around us, be hospitable, and love on them. Amen? Amen? Now, we're about to do life group launch. This week is life group launch. And my favorite thing at life group, my favorite snack at life group is chips and salsa. Now, don't mind me. Don't mind Eating chips and salsa over here. Don't mind me. One of the most... Amy, Amy hates it. 
one of the most hospitable things you can do for me is give me some chips and salsa. I'm telling you, you want to get to my heart, chips and salsa. This is my favorite snack, not just at a life group. Not just at a life group. I know. <laughs> chips and salsa. Not just at a life group, but period. It's my favorite. I'm a savory type guy. Um, now, you can expect at your life group that you sign up for and go to, you can expect some sort of tasty treat. Get some. Get some. There you go. There you go. You can expect. Anybody else? Anybody else? No, no, don't do it. Outside, we've got a table of chips and salsa for everybody. I'm serious. I'm serious. Sign up for a life group. In a minute, go outside, get yourself some chips and salsa. We brought them for everybody. You can expect at your life group there to be something to scrumptious to eat, if it's chips and salsa or something else. You can expect to hang out, to have a good time, maybe to, to play a game or something. And you can expect to have a, a, a Bible study where you look at a scripture and talk about how you apply it to your life and then pray together. That's a life group. That's what we do here. And we believe if we will do that over and over and over again, relationships will be built, unity will happen, lives will be changed, and we will be encouraged and more equipped to go out and be salt and light to the world around us, to be Jesus to those who we encounter day in and day out. So get a, sign up for a life group and go on outside, get yourself some chips and salsa. You're welcome. God bless you. Have a great week.